With the ever-increasing number of makes and models of automobiles, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other things, you know, like mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? At rockauto.com, you will save money. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Today on the Callahan Podcast, well, if you know the Boston Red Sox, you know there aren't many organizations in pro sports that are more woke, that are more politically correct than the Red Sox. They never hesitate to throw their fans under the bus when a player from an opposing city accuses the crowd of something racist. They said they found a bunch of uh, racists in in their audience, in their crowd, among their fans last year. Uh, Well, we'll find out if black lives really matter to the Boston Red Sox as Fifteen guys, or, uh, black guys, have stepped forward and accused them of ignoring or even covering up the sex, sexual crimes of their former clubhouse uh, manager, Don Fitzpatrick. We'll talk to the lawyer for the victims, Mitchell Garabedian, today. Yeah, I'll find out what he has to say. He's going to be uh, telling us all about the Red Sox uh, lack of interest in making it right with these guys. Uh, also, Marcellus Wiley is the face of courage today among the media, and Deshaun Jackson is an absolute piece of trash. We'll tell you all about those guys and what they had to say over the weekend uh, with our friend Alex Reamer. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan Podcast, brought to you, as always, by DCU, Digital Federal Credit Union. Whether you're buying your first home, your dream home, or looking to refinance the home you love, DCU may have the mortgage program to fit your needs, and more importantly, your budget. Their mortgage experts will walk you through the application process and help remove the hurdles that can make it a difficult and confusing process. They'll bring you right up to the front steps of home ownership. Learn more about rates and programs or to apply today at dcu.org slash mortgage. DCU is an equal housing lender, NMLS, number 466914, insured by NCUA, membership required. Okay, Callahan, let's do this. This is the Jerry Callahan Podcast. Man, so much has changed. So much has happened since last time I saw my friend Alex Reamer. Since last time, I think, uh, we did a podcast. It's been like four days and... um, (laughs) Colin Kaepernick used to hate capitalism last time I was we, we, we were together. Now he's embraced capitalism. So much has changed. 
We're going to get to Kaepernick. We're going to get to the biggest con man in America, Colin Kaepernick, and his new his new business partner, Jamel Hill. Boy, that's going to be that is going to be great entertainment. Those two are teaming up on a project. How come I can never get teamed up on a project? That sounds like easy money. We're teamed up on a project. Yeah, what, are all, about, <laughs> Barry, what are you talking yeah. about? What are you talking about? Could could Netflix back us or or Disney or ESPN? I mean, it is amazing. The, 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 the scan, scam, the con that, uh, that Colin Kaepernick is pulling on the country and, and, and people like my little friend here, they, they fall for it, right? So you think Colin Kaepernick has been oppressed? You think he's been blackballed, Alex? So you start off the show by saying so much has changed since we last spoken and we start by debating Colin Kaepernick. What the, I don't think that's exactly. Get ready, my friend, because you and I will be sitting here in 20 years and we'll be talking about this guy. You know what the question will be? Will anyone sign him? Will, you know, he, oh. won, he went to a Super Bowl. Why can't they he sign did. him? I mean, Those last uh, four games with the Niners in December 2016 were excellent. A good um, QBR. Before oh, you guys start screaming, before you start screaming at each other, can we find out what uh, what was Provincetown like during a pandemic? Like what was that? What was that experience? Oh yes, how was, uh, how was that? It wasn't. Is that cool. Really, is that really what we're starting with, Alex? Yeah. Experience in P Town? Yeah. What What's wrong with that? I want to know about that. Dave has a good radio, good radio instincts, Jerry. Oh, we sure. always used to start with that. Um, it wasn't quite like Fire Island. I don't know if you've seen the videos on Twitter of the gays in Fire Island going wild with like 500 person beach circuit parties. Wasn't quite like that, although uh, Dr. Fauci probably would have passed out at some of the activity that was going on. I, I will oh, really? say that. You didn't social distance streams? You didn't wear your mask? I did. You have to. It's mandated on Commercial Street, which you know, Jerry, from writing the Pan Mask Challenge, the main street in Provincetown. It's, right. it's mandated nine to nine. You have to wear a mask, and everyone was good there. But when you go off the Commercial Street into, you know, house parties, some beaches, yeah, of course. Uh, the gays are insatiable. They were not really social distancing. Do you have any more questions for him, Colin? And anything else about his? I, I have uh, a lot of questions, but it seems like you're not into it. Is Do this you, uh, is like, this something that you're uh, interested in? Maybe spending a weekend there with Reamer? Yeah, because sure. Jerry has because Jerry Dave has never asked me at all about no, Colin. No, never anything with my life ever. He's yeah. never been interested in any of that stuff. No, the, the, whole, thing, the whole thing was basically uh, spawned from his radio show. But me asking that question. <laughs> In this moment. Well, I would have no problem asking. I didn't think we were going to start with it. We got so much to get to. It's been a couple of days since we've uh, been here, and uh, maybe maybe Reamer's right. Maybe nothing has changed. I knew Kaepernick was a con man, and uh, I think the whole world knows now. It is there was a beautiful um, juxtaposition of of Kaepernick's tweets. If you didn't see his Fourth of July message, it's nauseating. And I know most people listening, uh, you know, they're smart enough to know. That this guy's a, a, a flim flam artist. They're smart enough to know that he's putting us all on. He's playing the role of martyr because it's very profitable and it doesn't hurt that much. Playing football hurts. Playing football is hard. Playing the martyr is easy for Kaepernick. And he posted just the most disgusting anti American screed on the 4th of July saying that America terrorizes black people, brutalizes them. And it was just disgusting. And and uh, four or five years ago, he tweeted a happy Fourth of July message. Happy Fourth, everybody. You change the president, you know, change the dynamics. And he goes all in on hating America. But the tweet after his Fourth of July tweet was, I'm happy to announce a new deal with Disney. I'm teaming up with ESPN. And it's going to be a docuseries, I think, about his life. 
I mean, I can't imagine anything more boring and predictable than and Kaepernick talking about his struggle. He, he was adopted by a middle-class white family in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, is that where he was raised? And, you know, lived a very comfortable life. I think they got to go back to his high school days because they want to go back to that point where he was a good quarterback. So they got to go back a few years, but I'm not sure who's going to watch. It'll be a disaster, but it doesn't matter. As we've learned from ESPN and MSNBC and certainly CNN, ratings are secondary in this age of Trump. You want to be, go after the evil orange man, bring him down, paint the country as racist and evil. It's working. It's working, by the way. It was a strategy to stop Trump, to prop up Biden, and it's working. And and uh, and Kaepernick is one of the one of the players out there. He's he's gonna he's already rich. The idea of him teaming up with Jamel Hill to make a series to tell all Americans how awful America is. I can't imagine uh, a, a more a less appealing television project. But I'm sure I'm sure Forbes.com will have a a good uh, review of it in uh, uh, when it comes out. You think what you like it? Well, I like it. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'll watch a lot of it, um, but uh, but I mean, Kaepernick started kneeling in 2016, August 2016, when Barack Obama was still in the White House. So how can you say this has really anything to do with Trump? Well, I just explained to you his Fourth of July tweets. He was he loved the Fourth of July. Had a great time. Had you know wished everyone a happy Fourth of July. Uh, four years ago. Now it's evil and America is terrorizing everybody. And of course, of oh, course, not terrorizing everybody, just terrorizing people Terror- of color, which is oh, true. Correct, correct. Correct. Not terrorizing anybody. Cops don't ever, you know, shoot unarmed white people. Never happens unarmed, you know, uh, whatever Asian people. It's only unarmed black people. Correct. No, but I mean, there's a history, as we all know, of racial injustice and racial violence throughout this country's history and this world's history. And Kaepernick is shedding a light on that. And I look forward to this project with him and Jamel Hill. It should be very interesting. He also has a Netflix thing coming up, too. Uh, That was uh, a six part series about his life, which is ESPN is going to do the same thing. You have this this complete fraud, this complete phony uh, going all in with corporate America, by the way, while ignoring uh, the crimes of his number one uh, uh, sponsor, Nike, ignoring the oppression, the real oppression in China, ignoring the fact that China has concentration camps, the fact that China has stores where black people aren't allowed to shop. (laughs) They can't go in the stores and buy his Nike crap. But Kaepernick doesn't Not. say a word about it. Not so a word. So if Kaepernick started speaking up against speaking out against China, you would you would accept his message about oh. what's happening in America? I don't think I mean, so, I, Jerry. I, I, Alex, that's I what we call a cop out. I don't deal in hypotheticals, and that's a hypothetical. Oh, right. He will never criticize China. He'll never talk about the the, the Muslims placed in cross concentration camps. He's strictly an American. America hater. That's well, his you, game. Okay. Well, how about it's, Trump? It's working. Okay, Jerry. I mean, but Trump, your favorite president ever, uh, told Xi Jinping that he's okay with the concentration camp. So, I mean, come on. I, he did. I missed that he part. He, he actually said, "I'm cool with those concentration camps." Yes, it was in John Bolton's book. Uh, oh, did you read John Bolton's book? No, I, I would never. You. I would never pay any money for John Bolton's book, but I've read the excerpts that were available for free. Oh, uh, you wouldn't pay money, even though it makes Trump look bad, even though you could probably get a column or two out of it. You won't you won't buy the book. Uh, I'd love to write a political column. No, John Bolton, F him. Are you kidding me? You should have testified in front of Congress if you're so concerned. No, I've no I've no time for John Bolton. And we're all getting a gift. Is that what's that? The book uh, his, it's his niece, right? Her, her book. Oh, yeah. Right. Two weeks early now. 
It's coming. It's coming out sooner than uh, sooner than expected. Okay, Alex just one. got a Woody. Alex got aroused. They got a Trump woman is ever is going to talk me. about. I mean, it's going to be this you know tell-all gossipy book. It'll be huge on CNN and MSNBC and on Forbes.com, probably on ESPN. Uh, and and it'll mean it'll have no effect whatsoever. It's just like Bolton. Bolton's already come and gone. It was supposed to be a big scandal. There's just more important things, you know, like Bubba Wallace and uh, the fake news. <laughs> yeah, and the, and reinstate the Confederate flag. NASCAR's ratings suffering terribly. Well, you know, which is actually gotta, not true. Their race this weekend was up by like 400 oh yeah. percent over were last. You week. No, I've never seen a NASCAR race in my life. I, but. <laughs> I, you and I, that's more common ground we're going to reach because I, I think I beat you to it. When Trump came out with that stupid tweet about Bubba Wallace, it's amazing. He had this great weekend, this great event. At, great uh, weekend. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, oh, there you go, is. Dave. Nice, there nice. We have good graphics now. A lot has changed since I last stopped by. Look at this. Yes, he had a great weekend at Mount Rushmore. A great event, great optics, an excellent speech. Uh, you know, everyone should listen to it, see it, because you're not going to get an honest review or an honest assessment of it from the media. You know, they said it was all divisive and dark and all this, and they talked about. Uh, uh, Confederate generals. It was not about any of that. It was a very uplifting pro-American speech. He was on a roll. It worked out great. And what does he do? He follows it up with this idiotic tweet about Bubba Wallace. And I think, although it's a little unclear, I think he's defending the Confederate flag uh, and saying the reason NASCAR's ratings are hurting is because they banned it. Why was Trump? Now, my thing is, why is Trump constantly two or three weeks behind the news cycle with this stuff? Like Bubba Wallace talking about came and went like that was two weeks ago. Where, where was he? It's a good question. Uh, it's I mean, so strange. I mean, all he does is watch TV and scroll Twitter. You'd think he'd be a little more updated <laughs> on that story. Uh, it, it was strange and it was so tone deaf. I mean, it, again, you got a lot working for you. If you're Trump right now, you have what? one side, you have uh, one, uh, hold on. You have one side okay. of the debate who are uh, ripping down statues, including a statue of Frederick Douglass over the weekend, if you missed it, in Rochester. A statue of Frederick Douglass is getting ripped down. And more Christopher Columbus statues are getting ripped down and thrown in the harbor. Uh, the, the rioters, the, the, you know, the, the, the military wing of the Democrat Party, Antifa, is still rioting out in Portland. They're still burning things. They're still protesting. Uh, they're still demanding we defund the police. And then you have... You know, on the other side, you have law and order. So Trump has a lot going for him, and he decides this is a good time to defend the freaking Confederate flag, which I could not believe. I I, I don't care about the Confederate flag. I don't. I look at it, and you know, sometimes I see a pickup truck, or even it's on TV with the Confederate flag. That gives me the creeps. That gives it's me. Creepy. That makes me, uh, you know, a little nervous. I can't imagine how it would feel to be, you know, just a black guy, you know, a young black kid walking down the street and seeing a couple of Confederate uh, trucks with Confederate flags. That would bother me. I we, don't were, want, we, were, we were talking about the barstool stuff last week. And actually on that podcast, they actually the, one of the guys brought up a good point is that when he saw a Confederate flag, he knew that, you know, stay away from that guy. That wasn't the you know, word. That, I, that, I heard that's not a good point. Why? I heard it. It was Brandon. What's his name? Black Brandon. I believe it so, was. So that's good. So if you, uh, I don't know, if every anti-Semite in America started, I don't know, putting a, a swastika outside their house, that'd be good. They're posting it. Oh, well, that's, I'm where, very- you know, that's where the anti-Semite lives. It's not a good point. So you want 
people to wave the Confederate flag just so you'd be able to recognize. I mean, I don't think that's a racist. I don't think they're going to do it in like crazy volumes, but basically every now and then he would see someone. He would say, "Okay, I'm going to stay away from that. That's that's I I heard it, too. That that was I'll say this an original point because he's a black guy. But you know what? We we can get to that, too. We got so much to get to. We can get to that. That uh, that, uh, I forget what it's called. Two biggies or something. The podcast where they just a bunch of. a minority barstool people got together and just bashed and just shoved the shiv in their boss's back. Portnoy. I mean, I, I give Portnoy credit. He didn't fire them all the next day, probably because his lawyer told him not to, but he should have because it was incredible. Well, there was a hit piece in the, there's a hit piece in the daily news last night and about whether or not it was okay it. to threaten, uh, which, who was the guy? Brandon again. Yeah. Whether it was not okay to say quit, uh, if you have a problem with me. So I don't know, but I was glad to see Portnoy fighting back. He should have, I couldn't believe how, uh, none of these people, none of them had his back at all. He sang a rap song. That's what he did. He sang a rap song. Uh, this is a uh, bar stool. It's supposed to be edgy. It's supposed to go to the line. I would say singing a rap song. I mean, should he have done it? Maybe not. But I could hear, I could see an easy defense from these people he's been good to, these people he has given a real opportunity to. Instead, they all just stuck him in the back with the shiv. It was disgusting. Um, But uh, we'll get to that. I want to mention a story out this morning. Um. An AP story, an associate. Yeah. This is not, it's not Breitbart, Reamer. It's not no, this is, Wire. This is the it's old school. This, 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 they're on the, yes, the typewriters here, on, typing it up. Associated Press. Yes. About the Boston Red Sox, a lo- an age-old scandal uh, about Don Fitzpatrick. Fitzy, they called him. He was a clubhouse uh, attendant or like the clubhouse manager. He was in charge of the clubhouse kids, which was his way. It's kind of like being a priest and being in charge of the altar boys. It was... You know, it was uh, putting the the little sheep, the little lambs in with the in with the wolf, and that's what the Red Sox did for decades. Uh, they paid a settlement years ago when John Henry first took over to some of the victims because this guy Don Fitzy Fitzpatrick was a violent sexual predator. He preyed on young boys, mostly young black. They weren't that young, black teenagers. Um, who he'd give a job, give jobs to in the clubhouse, right? Mostly in spring training, and he'd lure them in there. He'd give them, you know, hats and balls and cleats, and he would force himself on them. He did it for decades. He, I think, the Red Sox ownership knew. My feeling about Yaki has always been: I'm not sure if he was overtly racist. I'm not sure if he's the one that kicked Jackie Robinson off the field, but I am pretty sure that he knew. That old Fitzy was, you know, it was uh, um, a, a pretty evil character. I, uh, it was, it, 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 he was, they rolled their eyes. In this story today, in the AP story, I have in my hand, they mentioned George Scott, Boomer Scott, first baseman, apparently uh, a nice guy, never, I don't think I met him. He's, he's deceased, but he would tell the young black kids, Stay away from Fitzy. You know, he's crazy. He's he's creepy. Stay, stay away from Fitzy. Yes. I think there was a lot of that, Reamer. There was a lot of that. Um, people wondered, you know, if Fitzy was not married, didn't have, and Fitzy really was, took good care of young black kids. And we later found out why. He, he ended up getting convicted of, uh, pleaded guilty to a criminal, to criminal charges of attempted sexual battery. 
right. in 2002, admitting that he used Red Sox team memorabilia to your, lure young black clubhouse workers into secluded areas of the team's Florida spring training facility where he abused them. Uh, he did not admit to abusing young boys in other ballparks, but now we're finding out, as you would assume, he didn't just he didn't just pursue his evil ways for six weeks in, in right. March. You know, that was a vacation, right? He didn't. It's not like some people I knew, you knew, who would go to spring training, media people, and just go nuts. You know, go hard. Who drink buck? You know, <laughs> I, I knew a few people who do that. They would say that is party time. They would go to spring training and they would let loose. That's not how Fitzy operated. I think he did it all over the place. We're learning more about that. There are 21 victims, most of them African-American, who are still pursuing justice. They're doing a press conference today with their lawyer, Mitchell Garabedian, who's going to join us on this podcast and tell us what they're doing. Most of the charges, I think all the charges are it's too late for criminal charges because of the uh, statute, statute of limitations. limitations. Yeah. It happened a long time ago. But again, I think Yaki knew and looked the other way. That's reason enough, in my opinion, to take the, if you want to change the name of the street, change the name of the street. But this doesn't, that doesn't, you know, placate this, this uh, collection of, uh, of victims. They, I mean, they, they're looking for justice still. They're looking for the Red Sox to make things right. And as the Associated Press points out, the Red Sox never missed the opportunity to um, to say and do the politically correct thing when it comes to racism. If it doesn't cost them anything, they will throw their fans under the bus. They will take the side of Tory Hunter, Adam Jones, but they don't take the side of these 21 victims, do they? Yeah, I mean, it definitely reflects very poorly on the Red Sox. And as you mentioned, I mean, Tom Yaki, I mean, the, the first uh, we, we think that a victim came forward in 1971, the first Fitzpatrick victim, and he stayed with the club until what, the early 90s. Right. So, I mean, so I, I agree with you on Yaki. But, yeah, it's a bad look for John Henry and the Red Sox and their hypocrisy is pretty apparent. I mean, even go back to the fact that all of their front office employees, their top 16 employees, including according to their website, are all white. So, I mean, that's an organization that, like many, has released all the Black Lives Matter statements the last few weeks, the last month, really, and doesn't seem to apply its own rhetoric to its hiring practices. So this is another yeah. another strike against them, definitely. Right. And, you know, again, they'll, 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 they'll do whatever. They'll write Black Lives. They'll have the Black Lives Matter banner. They will have all the window dressing. They will say all the right things and donate to whatever cause. But when it comes to actual victims, actual African-Americans who have had their lives turned upside down or in some cases ruined by a, a, a guy who worked for the club for decades, I mean decades, and I was there. I didn't know what he was up to, but he was a very nice guy to me. I've told the story many times. I, I guess I was the wrong color. He didn't, you know, violate me, but he was very nice when I, I was young. Too old too. But I was young when I first met him. I was, just, you know, younger than you are, and I was in the clubhouse. And uh, he was very nice, very accommodating. But he had a thing for young black kids. And when I found out about it, I called him and tried to. And I, I wanted to know. I said because I because he was, he was friendly to everybody and. I didn't know. I was young and naive. I didn't know what he was up to, but apparently some players did. And the guy who owned the team forever, the guy who hired him, the guy who uh, promoted him for decades, 
I think he knew too. And it was that era. And they did the same thing, as you know, with priests. They just, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod, just stay away from him, that kind of thing. They didn't take it seriously. These people or this organization that now says, you know, um, Tory Hunter, they didn't say they believe Tory Hunter. They just said, uh, Tory Hunter's, this, these things are real. They this is say, real, yes. Yeah, this is real, whatever. They, yeah, so they will say the right things. We'll see if they do the right things. We'll ask Mitchell Garabini how they plan on uh, uh, what the strategy is here. Because what was uh, what was that conversation like when you called Fitzpatrick? First of all, when was it? When did you call him with these uh, as soon as allegations? The whole, the whole story broke, and they after a kid in Anaheim held up a sign right. behind the dugout. Right, said Ron Fitzpatrick molested me, and that was I mean two thousand I don't know two thousand one or two because mm-hmm. uh, um, he died in 05, Fitzpatrick. He died without ever having to do a day in jail. It's right. Justice was not served. It, there was no conversation. He didn't pick up. Sorry. Oh. You want to make, want to make something yeah, up? Yeah, make something up. <laughs> so, I don't know if I was the only one. I think other people were surprised, too. I think he was a rare character. In those days, Raymer, the Red Sox were a ornery organization to deal with. They had some real nasty people. There was another clubhouse guy, Vinny Orlando, that was not nice. If you... You know, they have all these things full of gum and, you know, whatever, chewing tobacco. And if you grabbed a piece of gum, he would yell at you. Uh, the manager, John McNamara, was just the worst guy. Jim Rice was just the worst guy. They were not accommodating. They were not friendly. And in the middle of it all was this guy, Don Fitzpatrick, who was just the opposite. He was very friendly. He would tell you, grab some gum, whatever. I mean, he was a different personality. And I thought that, yeah, wow, this guy's nice to me. Nice. He's not. You know, uh, he's not making my life difficult. Later on, I found out he was freaking evil. It was eye-opening. I maybe again, maybe I was naive and and blind, but I think a lot of people were to blind to this guy and what he was up to, and it was shocking. I'll be honest, shocking when I found out what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, but uh, I I, th- I think that's their mo. A lot of yeah. these guys. Oh, good, good. We're going to be joined now by Mitchell Garabini. P- Mitchell Garabini, people know who he is. He's uh, famous for pursuing justice for sexual assault victims, especially in the uh, in the priest scandal, but also in the uh, Penn State scandal. And with these uh, victims of uh, Don Fitzpatrick, the Red Sox clubhouse guy, they're holding a press conference today, and we'll find out more. We'll find out what this is all about right now. But right now, uh, attorney Mitchell Garabedia joins us. Hey, Mitchell, how are you? Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I've been, you know, I've been following the story forever. I just told my my experience with Don Fitzpatrick. I um I always wondered who knew. I didn't know who knew what he was up to and who enabled him. I'm sure you know more than I do. But what is it you're looking for now? What is the strategy? for pursuing this case because we know it's old. We know the statute of limitations has expired in many cases, but what are you, you and the victims looking for from the Red Sox now? The victims are looking for some sort of validation. They want to be told they need to be sent the message that this wasn't their fault. The victims do not want to be ignored by major league baseball by the Boston Red Sox, by Kansas City Royals, by, excuse me, Kansas City Royals, but by, by Baltimore, um, Baltimore Orioles. 
this abuse spans a period of 24 years. From 1967 to 1991, uh, Donald Fitzpatrick sexually abused 20 of my, 21 of my clients, 15 of whom are of color. He abused them in Winter Haven, Florida, in Fenway Park, in, in Kansas City, in Baltimore. I, I mean, these, this is just the tip of the iceberg. But my clients need some sort of validation, just like any other sexual abuse clients, that it wasn't their fault. And in our justice system, monetary awards, uh, settlements provide validation for those victims. The Red Sox since 2011 and Major League Baseball since 2011 have ignored the claims of my clients. Major League Baseball has told me this isn't our problem. This is the Red Sox problem. Really? Major League, Major League Baseball has told me that, um, uh, that, that really I should be dealing with the Red Sox. The Kansas City Royals told me this is not our problem. Baltimore has been silent. I also contact the Oakland Athletics because one client in Kansas City, Gerald Armstrong, was sexually abused when Kansas City was the Kansas City Athletics. Then two years later, he was also sexually abused when they became the Kansas City Royals. Donald Fitzpatrick used to travel with the team, with the Red Sox, and he would sexually abuse kids in the visitor's dugouts, in the clubhouse or the dugout. He would, he would sexually abuse wherever he could. He would go to the Dorchester Little League or the Brockton Little League and tell kids he was a scout for the Red Sox, get them in his car, and sexually abuse him. Hmm. It, it, it wait, 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 like, wait. That, that's, that's new to me. He would go to Dorchester and, and yes. like, lure, lure kids in his car, young black kids? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He would say, yes, he would say, I have a hat for you. I'm a Red Sox scout. I've got a baseball for you. I'm a Red Sox scout. And he would sexually abuse them in his car. I have two clients who were sexually abused. One was from the Dorchester Little League and one was from Brockton Little League. He'd show up in the Little League games like he wow. was a scout. Can you, can you clear something up for us, Mitchell? Sure. When Henry took over, I believe one of the first thing he did, things he did was pay a settlement of $3 million or thereabouts to victims of right. Patrick. Is that correct? Yes, he did, because there was a lawsuit pending and there was a settlement of approximately three million dollars and it involved uh, victims in, suing in Florida. And that was that was years ago. So so for nine years, we've been trying to get a settlement out of the Red Sox and Major League Baseball. And, and it's beyond me how Major League Baseball can say. This is not our problem. These acts were horrible, but this is not our problem. It's beyond me how the Red Sox, Kansas City, Baltimore, any of these teams can say this is not our but, problem. But the victims who were paid by Henry, uh, what would that be, 18 years ago? Were they 17, 18 years ago? Are these different victims that you're representing now? Different, totally different. I mean, there's, there's probably hundreds of victims of Donald right. Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Out there. There's probably hundreds. And I'd like to say one other thing. The, the players themselves were great to these kids. I mean, this was a dream come, to, through, come true for these impoverished kids from, from disadvantaged backgrounds. Right. And, and to be uh, working for the Boston Red Sox, whether it be as a bat boy 
or, or, or in, in any other capacity. It was a dream come true. And these players, Roger Clemens, Mo Vaughn, they were all just great to these kids. They 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 tell them to go buy them a Big Mac with a hundred dollar bill and say keep the change. So you know the players are great, but the they position- also warned him. But they also warned the boys, according to uh, this AP story. At least one Boomer uh, Scott, Scott, Coach yeah. Scott, said stay away from Fitzy. He's kind of creepy. So they knew, correct? Oh yeah, oh yeah. More than one child has told me. One more, more than one victim has told me that the players would say stay away from that guy. Don't go near that guy. I, I mean, one victim was he was older he was lifting weights he went to in and he worked out with fitzy when no players were around in, in the with in the gym in fenway park where the players worked out and all of a sudden fitzy's grab, grabbing his chops i mean it was just open and notorious that's my point it wasn't like it was always in a closet or something it was just everywhere and, and when they transferred fitzy they transferred him from the clubhouse to, to the talking lot to the outfield to work on the top to work well, on the sounds familiar as a guy who represented so many altar boys uh that sounds familiar does it not mitchell transferred transferred from position to position to position position to cover it up and you you have institutional failure i've represented thousands of victims of the catholic church of the boy scouts of private schools and it's, it's the same pattern. You just have institutional failure here. They want to cover it up because they don't want a, a negative image. And it's really puzzling with the Red Sox because they've done such great things with the Jimmy Fund and Boston Strong. So why aren't they stepping up to the plate here to help these children, help these what, kids? What have your recent conversations been like with the Red Sox, Mitchell? Um, there haven't been any. Really? I've contacted them and they haven't responded. I contacted Major League Baseball again, and they haven't responded. The only team that responded was the Kansas City Royals, and they said, we're not interested. This is not our problem. Baltimore did not respond to my request. So, they uh, just gone silent. When you so, never so talk- words of social justice. Where's the action to back it up? You've never spoken to John Henry, correct? I have never spoken to John Henry in this context, no. I spoke to him once, uh, briefly, in another matter, not a legal matter. I, I just was there at an event, and he was there. How about Sam Kennedy, the president, of uh, CEO, whatever he is? Have you spoken to Sam Kennedy? Oh, no, I haven't spoken to any Red Sox officials. I've only spoken to their lawyers. And, and, and as a matter of fact... The Red Sox and back in 2011 started interviewing my clients and they interviewed seven of my clients and they offered one client a short period of therapy that which they pay for. Uh, but then they stopped interviewing my clients, just mm. stopped without explanation. They just said, we're not going to interview any more clients, which is just another re-victimization. I mean, there's no reason for the way the Red Sox have treated these victims. There is absolutely no reason. So John Henry settles, as we mentioned, when he first buys a team, there's about that $3 million settlement. Then in 2011, they picked up the investigation again. Fill us in on that timeline. Well, in 2011, I notified the Red Sox that I represented these victims. And we'd like to try and resolve these cases because that would be the right thing to do to help these kids gain some sort of validation so that they could try to heal and move on with their lives. 
So the Red Sox started interviewing my clients. They interviewed seven of my clients from 2011 to 2012. And um, two lawyers were there and from the Red Sox interviewing my clients and they offered one of my clients a short period to pay for a short period of therapy. And then they just stopped interviewing my clients without explanation. They just mm. said, we're not going to do so it anymore. This, so, they, they it sounds, so it sounds like you're going to pursue this. Will you go to trial with this? Will there be a civil suit? Well, it's outside the statute of limitations right now, but because it's happened in so many states and because so many states are amending their statute of limitations, I'm just waiting for the statute of limitations to be amended in in uh, in Missouri, in Maryland, in Florida. We'll see what happens. Uh, uh, some of your clients, I assume, you, you know this better than anyone, uh, have been affected. Their lives have been ruined. Are any of them, I mean, you're going to have some before the cameras today, correct? Yes. When you're 12 years old, an adult, a trusted adult, sexually abuses you, that adversely affects you for the rest of your life. There's not much you can do about that. It twists your view of the world. It makes you look, it makes you very distrustful. It makes you uh, not want to participate in the world. It makes you want it in a positive way. It makes you want to be negative in life. You want to hang around with the wrong kids. All of us, you're, in Red, you're in Fenway Park. You're getting autographs from the best ball, most famous ball players in the world. And all of a sudden you're being vital, violated like this. It, it twists a child's mind up. It, it really, it, it sends them down the wrong road in life. Are you convinced that the ownership, Tom Yaki, knew that Yaki knew what Fitzy was up to? Um, according to the uh, reports I've received from Individuals who call me who say they weren't sexually abused but used to be involved with the Red Sox, yes. The, Tom Yockey and Gene Yockey used to protect Donald Fitzpatrick, according to what I've been told. Now, I'm getting that secondhand, and these are allegations, but that's what I am being told, that, that they – they protected him, and that's why they didn't fire him. They transfer him right. from one venue to another within the, within Fenway Park. And you, as we said, that sounds familiar. Where they just kind of roll their eyes and say, "Yeah, he's kind of creepy. Stay away from him," right. like the, like they did with priests. They didn't want to, you know, rip the scab off. They just you know, let him go over there, and, and maybe he'll leave you alone. So I'm with you. I was always convinced that Yaki had to know. How many years did he work for the team? Like forty or some ridiculous. Uh, um, yeah, something uh, like that. It was. Really, it's called cover up. You know, they were just covering it up. They were just transferring around, transferring him from position to position, uh, and, and just in denial on purpose. They knew what was, they had to know what was going on. He would abuse kids in so many places, so many different times. Some of these kids were abused for like three or four or five years. It hmm. just wasn't one incident, and and, and and it didn't stop. And in in as we mentioned earlier. Players were telling the kids, stay away from him. Stay away from him. Don't don't have anything to do with him. Stay away from him. It's it, it's just so inconceivable. I mean, because he was a clubhouse attendant, too. You figure that they could have the operation could have continued without him. You know, it's just it's insane. All right, Mitchell, thanks uh, for joining us today. You're holding a press conference with some victims, correct? You got some victims. Yeah, with you? Charles Crawford and Gerald Armstrong at 1130 via Zoom. Thank you. Uh, we will uh, be looking looking forward to that. Thank you very much for joining Thank us. You, Good Mitchell. luck with it. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. Um, I guess my first question would be to you know Sam Kennedy or John Henry. Do it's curious? Do Black Lives Matter? Do Black Lives Matter? Is I mean, it's it's a very fair question to ask. Destroyed? 
and, and I think, I mean, what's interesting is, so John Henry, as we say, purchases the team and then, and we says that settlement in 2002, $3 million. But then I didn't know that they picked it up again in 2011, 2012, when Mitchell Garabedian first approached mm-hmm. them and then stopped it cold. It's just, it's very callous. It's very cold. And you're right, Jerry. It makes it seem like the Red Sox have been engaging in performative activism or you performative know, allyship. I thought when I first saw Garabedian hit the scene, I said, oh, this creep, typical, you know, ambulance chaser. He has been fighting for real victims for decades now, including, and I don't know how much he's made. I don't care. But his clients in uh, were, you know, were altar boys who were abused, um, you know, without fathers, these poor victims, some of whom killed themselves, some turned to drugs. I mean, the priests, as we know, ruined the lives of hundreds of altar boys who, by the way, were altar boys the same era. I was an altar boy. Well, now we have an explanation for happening to you. I've always wondered, you know, what's wrong with me? You know, don't I have a nice nice body? It's Uh, the forehead, Jerry. Too big a forehead, I think, probably. That's a a Lenny Clark joke. But anyway, um, um, uh, best wishes to our our buddy Lenny. He's under the weather right now. I won't get into it, but... uh, if you if you know what Lenny, send him your best. But uh, anyway, uh, I was of that age, but I always tell the story. I and in fact, all around me, the towns around me, it was happening to people who were altar boys when I was an altar boy. But I had a great father, as I've explained before. He was always around. He was always at church. They didn't abuse kids who had great fathers who were there or parents who were there. Guys like this, and Fitzy is a classic example because. He would recruit young, black, poor kids in the Winter Haven area. That was his spot. But apparently he did it all over the place. I, as I said earlier, I don't think he just shut it off when opening day rolled around. He continued to to prey on young, poor, black kids all over the place for decades. And the, the idea that the Red Sox didn't know is laughable. He was in their clubhouse. They were telling people, the players were telling kids to stay away from the guy. Of course they knew the question is how culpable is the new owner when the old owner is gone and dead, long since dead? I mean, how culpable is the new owner? I guess, you know, we'll find out if, you know, Black Lives Matter do do indeed matter. Black Lives do indeed matter to John Henry and Tom Werner and Sam Kennedy when we hear this story, the stories from these victims today and maybe again going forward. Are we going to stream that live, um, Colin? Was that the plan? Because I'll be curious. One guy, uh, Gerald Armstrong's 45, and he's the one who was warned by George Scott to stay away from him. But uh, he looks, AP talks to him. He certainly sounds credible. He sounds legit. This isn't going to go well for the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah. Well, he said, what do he say? 1130 via Zoom. So he's, we'll, we'll get the link. And if we can stream it, we'll stream it. Cause I do want to hear from uh, the alleged victims. And clearly we'll have the audio for tomorrow's show as well. So I think, yeah. go ahead, Alex. Cause uh, I was just, I mean, it just, the question is with John Henry, you know, are they culpable for Don Fitzpatrick? Obviously not. No. But, you know, you, you ask why, why deflect and why not give these victims uh, what they want? As Mitchell said, validation. I mean, John Henry is worth how many billions of dollars? The Red Sox divided how many billions of dollars? I mean, it seems like it would be pretty easy to placate these victims, these survivors, and try to, I mean, while you're interested in righting the previous wrongs of the franchise, such as changing the Akiway name, et cetera, uh, this would seem to be like a pretty big one to write. Right. I mean, these, this is real, though. That's window dressing, change the name of a street, hang up the Black Lives Matter banner, probably 
you know, uh, pay lip service to Tory Hunter or Adam Jones. They, you know, don't hesitate to throw their own fans under the bus in the name of political correctness. We'll see oh. if they do. I mean, John Henry's worth three point something billion. But you, you guys, that, you that guys went up. That went up a little bit when he took a, a, a PPP loan. You know, when he took yeah. a, when he used the uh, the opportunity to grab some some cash from uh, you know from the taxpayers eh. a couple months ago. He's worth plenty. He could afford to make things right with these victims. He could absolutely afford to do it. Do the right thing. Do you think he will? Because I don't. Yeah, I think he has to at this point. You guys alluded to this before the interview, which was this is in the AP, right? This isn't some op-ed column. True, good point. This is in the AP, and it's framed in a way that's you know, look at the, it's starting off with the Tory Hunter stuff to lead off in the article. So it's just showing, it's just pointing out the hypocrisy hypocrisy of the Red Sox all over the country. <laughs> this isn't this isn't just in Boston. This is all over the place right now because of the AP. So they it's have not, it's they not have to respond. I tweeted out, I think I did this morning, tweeted out, I recommend you read it. It is a, you know, alleged straight news story, but you're right. It talks about them, what they did for Tory Hunter saying, yes, we believe, you know, his, well, whatever he's, these things are real. They're happening. And they talked about seven complaints of racial slurs heard in the stands last year, seven, uh, they were, and made it sound like, you know, this was a problem. Like the Red Sox, made portrayed their own fans as racist because there were seven complaints of racial slurs in a season where there were what? 3 million fans, 3 million. Well, at least seven complaints. They said there are probably many more. Okay. You're, you're, you know, you and I look at these things differently. Uh, you fall, you believe everything the Red Sox tell you. I don't, yep. but tell me this, Alex, how many complaints lied. were there? How many complaints were there in Yuck, uh, Yankee stadium last summer? I don't know. The Yankees. How many were in Foxborough? How many in Foxborough? Foxborough, many probably. I'm, I'm pretty. But we sure. don't know. So, so is seven good or bad? Uh, it's zero. Should be the goal, Jerry. Zero oh, really? should be the goal. Yes. Yes. I'm. Not, I'm. I am taking the stand. I am firmly against the N word. I'll just say it. I am. One dead is one too many. Is that correct? That's that's what I've always said. Here's the All weird. Right. Have, have you seen the Athlete A documentary on Netflix about Larry Nasser? I have not. I have not. You should. You'd like it. I mean, it just it, the question I always have with Don Fitzpatrick and Larry Nasser, even who was a physician for obviously USA Gymnastics and Michigan State covered up there. It's like, why do these organizations cover up for these monsters who not that you could understand if they were integral parts of the operation, of, but still like. Don Fitzpatrick, the, the world would have gone on without him. Larry Nasser, even like he was a doctor. He was a physical therapist. I mean, couldn't have Team USA found another doctor to take care of their athletes. It is so true. And it's a great point because consider if you're Yaki, if you're Yaki in this case, it would be kind of like Bernard Law. Bernard, Bernie the pimp was pure evil, pure freaking evil. And I, I can't believe he lived the life of Riley over there in, in Rome and died, you know, fat and happy. But Consider their thought process. It's like we have a choice here. We we throw these poor kids to the wolves, just ruin their lives, destroy them, or we have to take a little bit of a PR hit, you know? Because if we tell the cops, if we give the gift of choice this season with multi-store cards at giftcards.com. With multi-store cards, treat them to dinner, movies, or shopping on one convenient card, featuring all your favorites like Macy's, Alta, and Lululemon. It's a great gift card everyone will love. For last-minute gifting, choose the Happy Holidays or Holiday Favorites e-gift, delivered straight to their inbox. Purchase multi-store cards today at www.giftcards.com slash multi-store.
Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call. Yep. That sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com slash save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com slash save. Betterhelp.com slash save. Got it. Tell the kid, okay, I'm going to bring the cops. We're going to press charges. We're going to get him fired. We're going to get him arrested. Maybe he'll go to prison, which is what, what should have happened to the priests, to, you know, Paul Shanley and J- um, Gagan and a whole bunch of them should have been in prison. We know that. Don Fitzpatrick should have been in prison for 40 years. Instead, the Red Sox said, we can't risk a PR hit. We don't want to look like we enabled a guy. So, you know, what we'll do. We'll enable the guy. And the victims where it's typical liberal thinking is, you know, who cares about victims? We care about perpetrators. That's what you guys care about. Are Tom Yaki a liberal? Uh, no, I'm talking <laughs> uh, the new, the new regime. Oh, the new, I don't even know what, what Yaki was. Didn't know, know. You know. He was kind of a, kind of a man of mystery. A guy had no kids. He and his wife were fabulously wealthy. We don't, there is no proof that he was racist. He was South Carolina. You know, he had a, he had a plantation in South Carolina Maybe he was. Hell, he probably was. But uh, that you can't tell me like you, 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 what makes him racist right now. You can't. You've read plenty. What makes? Well, they were the racist? last. They're the last team to integrate by you know twelve years. So that I mean that what I was think the is, second to last team. To I don't integrate. know that actually. Off the was that head. owner being racist too? I don't know who was it. Was the third to last team? Was I don't know. Probably Jerry. If you're the last team, and we're really going to defend Tom Yaki's racial legacy here, I mean, no, I'm just asking for proof. That's all. That's what we do, Alex. We ask. I, for proof. I, I think it's proof that if you have Jackie Robinson, Willie Mays at tryouts, you don't sign them. Boston politicians, remember, wanted right. Tom Yaki to hold the tryout for black players, which indicates he was regressive even in his day. I think there is a lot of evidence to it to say that he was uh, was a racist. Probably, I mean, the Jackie again, the Jackie Robinson story, the GM. The best evidence that Yaki was racist was that he hired and kept on Pinky Higgins, Mike Higgins as GM, who was overtly racist. Sure. So, I mean, if you had him, you know, hired him, kept him on, then maybe he just thought the same way. But um, as far as I'm concerned, ripped the name down. He knew about Fitzpatrick. He, he, he knew Fitzpatrick was ruining young black lives. We'll see what the Red Sox have to say after today. We'll see if they really do care about these kids who are now grown men and some of whom, uh, you know, are. it's it's interesting that John Henry said the legacy of Yaki haunted him. I mean, he bought the team in 2003, took down the name Yaki in what, 2018? Right. So 15 years it haunted him. And finally he did something about it. But you want to talk about real guys who are really, truly haunted. We'll see some of these see these guys today and see some of these 21 victims. I'm going to guess you'll see it in their eyes. You'll feel it in their soul that they were, their lives were uh, affected, if not ruined by this Red Sox employee who was protected by ownership. Um, I guess it's too late to, you know, take it to court, but they'll go to the court of public opinion and we'll see how it plays out. I'm with the way that the pressure has worked in recent years. I mean, if this story, I mean, recent weeks, even, especially if this story picks up, any sort of national traction, which I think it will because it's in the Associated Press and, as we said, in every paper in the country, um, I think the Red Sox will do something. They'll, they'll have to. 
And and think of it. I mean, how hard would it be to make it right for 20 guys? Um, <laughs> they offered therapy. They offered to pay for therapy. So, I mean, there's evidence that they know that they know that there is a problem here. And uh, it would be easy for a billionaire like John Henry to make it right. And you know what they can do? They could put out a press release. They could take a bow and say, see, we do right. care about black lives. Uh, you know, that that's one way to look at it. You can make it right. Uh, and you could you can take a victory lap. But you know what? Things are so bad for baseball. Things are so bad for the Red Sox right now. They'll screw this one up, too. I'm pretty sure. But uh, we got much, much more to get to, Reamer. Uh, Jerry. We got, oh, I want to get to Deshaun Jackson, by the yes. way. I want your take on the, the next would be, should be scandal. The next guy who should be um, canceled. Fire. Canceled is Deshaun. Uh, you won't believe the point we're at where uh, uh, you won't believe what Deshaun Jackson said, but also Marcellus Wiley. You want to talk about real balls, real courage in this day and age in 2020. Marcellus Wiley is real courage. And we'll play some of his con- uh, comments, some of the things Marcellus Wiley had to say about Black Lives Matter. But first, Shea Concrete, let me tell you about Shea Concrete. This is for you homeowners and home builders. Did you know my brother-in-law, Greg, has a huge selection of precast concrete steps? Of course you knew that. Everyone knows that. Whether you're building a new home or you need to replace an old staircase, Shea has great values with designs for any home available in concrete or customized with beautiful stone, granite, or brick. A new staircase can dramatically uh, upgrade the front entrance of your home. It can also dramatically upgrade the value of your home. And what the hell is wrong with that? Take that money that you're getting from, uh, you know, unemployment or uh, PPP or wherever, invest in some new steps and improve the value of your home. In most cases, Shay can remove your old stairs and have you walking on the new front steps within hours. You can learn more about Shay's precast concrete steps at shayconcrete.com. You can also go there to check out the jobs. They're, they're looking to hire. Things are good for Shea Concrete in the precast concrete business. They're looking for drivers, CDL drivers. They're looking for people, personnel at all their plants, four plants around New England, state-of-the-art places, great places to work. Send your resume to jobs at shakeconcrete.com or just go to shakeconcrete.com and tell them you want to go work for them and ask for a hat. Don't forget to ask for a hat. All right. Um, you want you want to do the good guy or the bad guy first? Deshaun Jackson, Marcellus Wiley. I'll give you the truth. We already did a couple of bad guys. We already did Colin Kaepernick, the biggest con man mm, in America. Terrible guy, yes. Um, we uh, God, I, I you know what? I envy him. The guy's doing nothing, just sitting back and letting other. I mean, he's 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 putting. Do you know how to make an Instagram graphic like he did for the Fourth of July? It's a lot of work. Him and Jamel are collaborating as we speak. I, I, yeah, sure. I'm sure. Do you think he like sleeps till noon every day? Cause he's living, he's got a great life. He does nothing. He doesn't even have to talk. He doesn't even have to go on and do zoom calls. He just sits back, lets other people do his bidding. Uh, let's idiots like that KFC from Barstool say, boy, I was wrong about Colin Kaepernick. I used to think he was a bad guy. Now I think he's wonderful. And you That's go, good. He, finally, he's a what changed? Of, Nothing changed. Uh, hey, you, he, KFC has learned more about the issues of racial injustice. Another guy who's stuck in Portnoy's back, but uh, issues of racial injustice. Portnoy, what, what is it with? Why are you so obsessed with defending Dave Portnoy? You don't work for Barstool. Because, What's the? Uh, looking I, to get on I, with Kirky? What's the? No, What's not the at deal? all. I defend, I'll defend him every day of the week. I mean, the mob went after him. I defend people who are under siege from the mob, except 
you know, Jimmy Kimmel or Howard Stern. But if someone okay. in this case, he's right. If you don't want to work for him, don't work for him. You have a choice. Like I said eh. to that one idiot that uh, that quit. It was, uh, you know, I, no, he didn't quit. He's a social social media guy for Barstool. You, you know, he says he has to apologize to his black friends because he works at Barstool. Well, here's an idea. Don't apologize. Tell him this is what we do. We go to the edge. Sometimes we go over the edge. Don't apologize or don't work there. That's your choice. But anyway, that's, uh, you know, that's uh, not going away. Uh, Portnoy has a, a mutiny on his hands, and it's interesting to watch as it plays out. Um, and uh, Kaepernick, by the way, uh, he's sitting back, doing nothing, letting American corporations just money whip him, throw money at him. And you know what his response is? Screw America. Corporate America is evil. It's amazing. The guy does nothing but attack corporate America, and corporate America does nothing but throw money at well, him. Well, he has a message. Nothing. Well, because it's good business to be involved with Colin Kaepernick. His Nike shoe has done amazingly well in sales. Nike stock soared a couple of years ago when they signed him. We know that. Uh, Kaepernick is good business. They gave a raise to the kids who make the shoes. They're now making twelve cents an hour. In, in right, but I mean, but, but I mean, then, then why be involved with any co- corporation? I mean, I, I don't like the argument that if you don't speak out about one social issue, you can't speak out about anything else. I mean, you no, know that's disingenuous. America, he hates America. If you saw his, I don't think he hates July, America. He hates America and everything about it except the money they pay him. When he goes out there with his pig socks and his shake of era shirt, he sits there with uh, dollar signs in his eyes. It's a great grift. He is a great con man. I'm giving him credit, okay? I'm, I'm giving him credit, Alex. He's got a great scam going. God bless him. Jack Jack Dorsey just gave him $3 bucks. It's a credit. And he's probably going to give some to, to that organization that was founded uh, to honor Joanne Chesimard, that organization that honors a woman that assassinated a cop in cold blood and ran away to Cuba. Uh, Colin Kaepernick blows her kisses on social media. He likes really? her, supports her. Yes. That's but nice. anyway, you and I are going over old ground. We got new ground to cover. We have one real, real piece of piece of crap, Deshaun Watson, and then a real hero on Marcellus Wiley, Deshaun Jackson. If you haven't seen it, it's not getting a lot of coverage. I'm going to try to find the long version of it here. I don't know if you can find it, Dave. He posted on Instagram. I mean, let's be honest, Alex. Some things these days aren't offensive until you stop and think about it. Like, you don't really – I mean, that that rope was kind of tied sort of like a noose, but it was designed to pull the garage down. So, you know, there's some gray area there, correct? Yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, yeah, garage pull ropes are tied like <laughs> nooses regularly. When, right. when the guy in Sacramento said, all lives matter, I was quick to defend him because he meant it in a good way. He got fired. Of course, we can't have that guy saying that. But with Deshaun Jackson, can you help me out here? What's the gray area? Deshaun Jackson posted an image of what he said was a quote from Adolf Hitler. He said this was a quote from Adolf Hitler, quote, the Jews will blackmail America. They will extort Mm. America. Their plan for world domination won't work if the Negroes know who they were. He posted that. Um, I know he's stupid. Obviously, he's a dummy. But in this day and age, does, does does that have to get you canceled? Uh, well, I mean, he's he responded saying that uh, anyone who feels I have hate towards the Jewish community took my post the wrong way. Uh, he has no <laughs> hatred in his heart towards anyone. Equality, he says. Took, took the quote, the Jews will blackmail America. <laughs> they'll, they'll extort America. 
He also quotes Farrakhan, a, a virulent anti-Semite. One of your favorites. I mean, just a vile human being by any standard. Uh, he quotes him um, uh, after receiving criticism. Deshaun Jackson said, anyone who feels that I have hate towards the Jewish community took my post the wrong right. way. I have no hatred in my heart towards no one. Right. The Eagles, the Eagles have not commented on the matter. He has 1.4 million followers on Instagram. They all read this. A quote, a, a, essentially a quote about Adolf Hitler. First of all, you know, quoting Hitler. I'm not sure the quote actually comes from Hitler, but he thinks it does. Well, Hitler hated wild. black. I mean, Hitler killed black people, too, in the Holocaust. So it's a little strange. He'd be defending uh, people of color, right, against the, the Jewish well, blackmailing. I don't think it. I don't think he's very bright. And I don't think. Who? Hitler, Deshaun Jackson? <laughs> I'm not sure you can defend it. On at any at any level, he's a moron and he's an anti semite and he's a supporter of Farrakhan and Hitler. I'm not sure. If, <laughs> I'm not sure how you defend this. I'm not sure what the Eagles are expected to do. Or I mean, say. it's it's, it's too stupid even to take. I mean, a black person is a is a fan of Adolf Hitler. Like it that that on its face is a little well, strange. Black. Farrakhan's black and he's a fan of Adolf Hitler. Is he? Farrakhan's a fan of Hitler? I know he's an yes. anti-Semite, but... He called him a great man. A great yes. man. Well, yes. <laughs> I don't... He called, you, he called your people like termites or... Yeah, well, wait, I think Deshaun Jackson, yeah, feels about the LGBT community. We should ask him. Good question. I, I don't yeah, know. What, I, I mean, see, I, I don't remember know. Another, I remember another Eagles wide receiver who, in a drunken stupor... Bradley Cooper, right? Trying to be a badass, you know, trying right. to be gangster, use the N-word to a security guard. His life was over, man. His life was over. I don't think they've found his body yet. Have you ever heard? Well, from well, I, well, I think his, I mean, his teammates said they were uncomfortable practicing with him after that. Right. Wasn't there some teammate yeah. backlash with Riley yeah, Cooper? I wonder if there, yeah. I wonder if there are any Jewish players on the Eagles. I don't know who are, who are uncomfortable with Deshaun Jackson. I mean, Jeffrey Lurie, their owner, is, is he Jewish? We, we'd have to, I don't know. He says we'd have to check. Uh, isn't he a friend of Bob Kraft's? I think he's active in the Jewish community. I think he, He's obviously a uh, is a very socially aware guy. Yes, born to Jewish parents. I'm sorry, Jerry, but he spent his adult life as a non-practicing Jew, but still born he's to Jewish very parents. Involved in uh, you know prisoner what I call prison reform and all that. Yes, so I'm sure he's uncomfortable with this, but we haven't seen. Have we seen a player cut for saying the wrong thing or tweeting the wrong thing? Have we seen that? I'm trying to think of an example. Maybe a fringe guy, but. I mean, the the Patriots punter, a kicker didn't have to quit. He just had to rip the freaking tattoo off his arm, <laughs> which he did. He he had the three percenter tattoo, the flag removed from his arm. I wonder if it's all gnarly like a On July fourth, right? He got over the weekend. That was a good right. way to celebrate America. I mean, get rid of your just, racist like, tattoos. Couldn't they just change the little stars into and make it a different looking flag? But whatever, he's he got rid of it allegedly, so he's okay now. But Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> We will see what the Eagles do about uh, about this vile anti-Semite. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, one guy who is whose star is rising. I mean, I said I said last week or two, uh, two weeks ago, I tweeted it, then I repeated it on the podcast, that nobody is pushing back against the, the insurrection, against the unrest like Jason Whitlock. Except was, Tucker. Yeah, but um, good point. I said, Tucker, he's leading the charge. He's got the biggest platform. He's got By the, the way, it's it such a moronic thing last night. Tammy Duckworth, the senator who lost two legs in combat in Iraq, he says that she hates America. Like, really? I mean, that's kind of dumb. 
Well, he, and, and he was defended by Johnny Jones, who lost two legs in Iraq, who's a Fox News contributor who said that doesn't give you license to say okay. do whatever you want. Do you think she's above beyond criticism because she's a, uh, uh, a wounded veteran? I mean, I, I give her credit every day of the week, but she said she you lied. You do? I always remember that about you. Every morning you would give stuff yes, by giving morning, Tammy said, Duckworth oh, great, credit. Yes, Tammy yes, Duckworth yes, is. Yes. I think she might have uh, taken herself out of the running for VP when she said – what she said about uh, Trump's speech and how it's he's defending whatever Confederate generals, which he wasn't. But anyway, back to Marcellus White and back to Jason Whitlock. He was writing. He was talking on Fox. He left Fox and went to Outkick with Clay Travis. Now, he is going to do a podcast and probably some kind of video with Outkick. But for now, he's just writing columns. And I don't know if you've been keeping up, but they have been great. They're every day. They're very topical. He's taken on Black Lives Matter. He's taken on Kaepernick. It's worth reading. If you haven't been following Jason Whitlock, I said this, no one pushes back harder against the narrative and no one shows more courage to to be unpredictable um, and not go with the mob. Except today, I'm giving credit to the guy who stepped into his shoes or his seat. I mean, Marcellus Wiley was on that show on FS1. But don't you think, when you say Cullinane, when... Whitlock left. He kind of moved over and became the big, uh, the voice of that show, whatever it's called. Speak for yourself is what it's called. Uh, I would have to have consumed that show in any capacity or the channel entirely to to comment on that, which I yeah, it's right. Uh, I don't know if it's official, but he's on there. And yeah. one of the points he made is about you know whites these charges of uh, of white supremacy and all this and white privilege. And he said, "Look at me. I'm a black guy. I'm on this network. I'm replacing another black guy. I'm co-hosting with another black guy." He said. We're not being held down here at all. So he was asked about. Um, about okay, I called that. So Marcellus Wiley, though, a former ex-professional football player. Um, a former ex-player, uh, yes. Uh, former uh, yeah, former, a former <laughs> First ex. First as well. And so, so an ex-football player can get a job talking about sports for a sports cable channel. Like that does not exactly prove that racism doesn't exist. But anyway, he, he continue. A point. It's anecdotal, Alex. It's anecdotal. Yes. But he was making a point. And the guy he replaced was not an ex ex former erstwhile NFL player. Next. <laughs> but he was black and he moved on. And Mar- Marcellus Wiley um, was asked about Black Lives Matter. And thank God there's somebody out there who will do their homework, who will Google Black Lives Matter isn't pretending. If you look at their own website, they're not pretending to be something they're not. I mean, maybe in fundraising they are, but they're not like purging the their past or their, their you know, their webpage, their mission statement. They are Marxists. They want to disrupt the nuclear family. They want to defund mm. the cops. They want to end capitalism. What's the bad all part? These, all, all, someone like Reamer, I understand. He's a radical. He wants to support them. Alex, I'll give you uh, all the credit in the world for being honest. These other people, and I pointed out yesterday, was it? Oh, Marty Walsh, mayor of Boston, yeah, pledging, proudly supporting Black Lives Matter. I'm saying they want to defund the police. Yeah, and Marty Walsh, by the way, his, his his budget only reallocates $12 million in police overtime spending. So Marty Walsh could say all he wants about Black Lives Matter, but he's like the Red Sox and that his actions right. do not match up with his words. And I say this all the time. Give AOC credit. Another BU grad. I'll give her credit for Thank being you. honest. When they cut a billion dollars from the police budget in New York, a billion out of six. Huge cut. Huge cut in the middle of this uh, this civil unrest and all this rioting and all this crime. I mean, 
the, the violent crime is off the charts right now in New York, and they're cutting a billion dollars. And AOC, AOC says, not enough. We got to cut more. Defund the police means defund the police. She's honest, and we'll see how that goes. It's not a popular stance. She's an advisor to Joe Biden, an advisor. Good. Wants to get rid of the police. Um, anyway, um, she she supports Black Lives Matter. She's a radical. She's a Marxist. She doesn't want cops. She doesn't want borders. She doesn't like capitalism. She's like you. At least you're being honest. All these other people who are giving money to Black Lives Matter, they're either uh, stupid and not really understanding the organization. And I'll say that about most of them, you know, about John Cena. He's stupid. He doesn't understand what they stand for. Or others who know what they stand for, but are afraid of the mob. They're afraid of the backlash. So they go along to get along, even if it means millions of dollars to a radical organization that wants to end capitalism. Marcellus Wiley, smart guy, went to Columbia. He's well-read. He read up on the subject, and he spoke out. And today, again, today, in this day and age, that takes real courage. But Marcellus, I'm going to start with you. Yeah. Is this a good idea? Ah, it's not a good idea. Um, I do want to give the players credit for their flex to even get this to be more than just an idea, but something that's going to be in reality. I give the players that. Um, but can you hold on a sec? Dave? Hold on. When you start to go down this road of the freedom. He was asked about the NBA painting Black Lives Matter on the court and having social, you know, woke messages on their jerseys. And you and I could talk about this again, Alex, after we play this, but it's, I don't think NBA realizes how much this will turn people off. They, they, they have an approved list of messages and I don't see anything on there. That's not, you know, super woke. It's, it's, well, who's, why is that going to turn off? The NBA is looking to capture young fans, fans of color. I think that's a good move for them, and it's you, something you that they're young fans of color, the ones paying the bills. They need corporate support. support. And, and, and incorporate the NFL it says Black Lives Matter. Corporations uh, all participated in that Blackout Tuesday. It is now the okay. corporate norm. Jerry is now to support Black Lives we, Matter. We'll see. I'm just. I'm just saying. We'll see. I mean, how, how about the Redskins? Fine. I mean, FedEx wants to pull out. Pepsi, okay. Nike. I mean, corporations. Yeah. Now support Black Lives Matter. Whether whether now I agree. I think a lot of it is performative activism. There's no doubt, but uh, they will say that and be okay with the NBA painting that. All right, save it. We'll discuss it after Marcellus. Okay. Well, Dan was asked about pl- painting Black Lives Matter on the court, and he thinks it's a bad idea. Already, he's showing more balls than anybody on ESPN. Freedom of expression, freedom of speech, and how much social space is allowed for those who don't support in that same space. And that's where I I wonder where this is going to go in terms of identity politics. We know what identity politics does. Uh, It it divides and it polarizes. No matter how you want to look at it, that's just the effect of it, no matter how great the intentions are. And we all know the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So it's an interesting play right here. I don't know how many people really look into the mission statement of Black Lives Matter, but I did. And when you look into it, there's a couple of things that jump out to me. And I'm a black man who's been black and my life has mattered since 1974. And this organization was founded in 2013. I'm proud of you. But I've been fighting this fight for me and for others a lot longer. Two things. My family structure is so vital and important to me. Not only the one I grew up in, but the one I'm trying to create right now. Being a father and a husband, that's my mission in life right now. 
How do I reconcile that, what I just told you, with this mission statement that says, quote, we dismantle the patriarchal practice. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement. When I know statistics, when I know my reality, forget statistics. I knew this before I even went to Columbia and saw these same statistics that I'm going to read to you right now. That children from single parent homes versus two parent homes. The children from the single parent homes, this is in 1995 I was reading this. Five times more likely to commit suicide. Six times more likely to be in poverty. Nine times more likely to drop out of high school. Ten times more likely to abuse chemical substances. Fourteen times more likely to commit rape. Twenty times more likely to end up in prison. And 32 times more likely to run away from home. I knew that. You know why I knew it? Because a lot of my friends didn't have family structures that were nuclear like mine. And they found themselves outside of their dreams and goals and aspirations. So when I see that, or as a mission statement for Black Lives Matter, it makes me scratch my head. When I also see their mission is to eradicate white supremacy. In 2020, white supremacy is the mission. Woo, that's a lot of digging through minutia right there. I am on a show that I'm hosting along with another black guy who is hosting with me, who replaced another black guy. And that's just one example of it. So I understand. I respect your space. I respect what you're protesting for. But will you respect others who don't support that same protest? The answer, Marcellus, is no, they will not. It takes guts. I'll give him credit. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm not sure he could have lasted a, a week on ESPN with that kind of attitude. But all he did was a little homework. All he did was read up. Think of the madness we're living through right now, Reamer. The organization that is controlling everything, that has got everybody either supporting them or living in fear of not supporting them, of intimidating them. That organization supports defunding the police and dismantling the nuclear family. Right now, those are kind of, right now, we need the police more than ever, and we need the nuclear family more than ever. And all these companies and all these celebrities are supporting an organization that wants to end those two things, eliminate those two things, father, you know, fathers and mothers being with their children and, and cops. Get rid of those two things. And well, every, every day, another corporation's giving them a million bucks. This is an insane upside down world. Well, I, I think right we now. know. I mean, I, I think we can take these one by one. I mean, I think to fund the police, as we've talked about before, at least to me, means reallocate a lot of funds for policing towards community programs, which can also be crime prevention tools. As we know, education is a great crime prevention tool. You give people skills, you give them knowledge, and they can go to college and did actually. You, did you think this um, two months ago before George Floyd? Oh, wait, yeah. I, I, I always thought that education was a crime prevention tool. I watched The Wire, Jerry, like every good light. <laughs> liberal do you um, listen to jamel hill's podcast about the wire haven't caught that one no no haven't caught that one um and as far as the see I, I i don't read that the patriarchal family stuff that same way i think that's saying that the quote-unquote 1950s nuclear family model of the husband works white picket fence housewife two kids is outdated not realistic and not necessarily better than let's say a family with two mothers or two fathers or you know a loving hold on how about a family with one mother and a a father who's mia how about that is it any better than that no i i think we all know as those stats those stats are pretty indisputable but i don't think black lives matter is arguing that a single mother household with a missing father is preferable 
to a family with two parents. Yeah, no, they're saying, they? they're saying the community will raise the child. The village will raise no. the child. Again, another thing, another real radical stance that everybody seems to ignore. I give Marcellus Wallace, Marcellus Wallace, Marcellus Wiley, Marcellus Wallace too. I give him credit because nobody's saying this. I'm not sure if they know it and they are ignoring it or they they don't know it. They're just stupid. But how many NBA players will uh, hell who's one player got black lives tattooed uh, uh, tattooed on his arm showing off the other day. How many players who will have uh, a black lives matter slogan or the flag or a tattoo or whatever, understand the mission of the organization. How many? Yeah, not many, but I mean, I, I think the saying black lives matter is, is a good thing to say still. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> But what's wrong but with that? We're talking about the organization. You don't give money to the slogan. You give money. Yeah. You raise the banner to the organization, yeah. the organization, which, again, I'm not criticizing you because you are, you know, the, the, the hardest working commie. I know you're a radical. You supported Bernie Sanders. You believe in all this garbage. You want to end capitalism. Bernie Sanders, think- though, who, by the way, is not for identity politics, has actually made a few famous speeches against identity politics, which is why a lot of the woke liberals don't like Bernie Sanders. So I'm actually he, kind of- he made speeches against uh, unfettered immigration. He made speeches. Oh, good. Uh, uh, well, he changed his tune on that <laughs> completely. He's with AOC now. They're for uh, Black Lives Matter. They're for I don't think AOC is really down with identity politics either. That's more of a neoliberal Hillary, Hillary Clinton thing. It, it's 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 yeah, using identity nobody... politics to push a corporatist agenda. Someone like Bernie is a Marxist, and Marx was against identity politics. It's all about yes. I mean, meter Reamer. Nobody is in, more in favor of identity politics than Colin Kaepernick. If you read his tweets, all that matters is the color of your skin. He's the anti MLK. All that matters is the color of your skin. Read that disgusting screed on the 4th of July. It's all like he's fighting for black and brown people. He does not care about anyone else. It's all about skin color. He is the king of identity politics, and he's one of your heroes. They have a new radio show, by the way, they're going to put on in the morning on ESPN. ESPN, who is now going have has now the worst ratings in 40 years, kind of like a radio station you and I both know. Uh, are very familiar with their their worst ratings in four decades. I I'll talk to too much politics. People I'd say. look it up. I didn't realize they were around forty years ago. But ESPN with their super woke lineup of uh, of Max Kellerman and Dan Lebetard. Oh, shut up. okay. They got they got and rid of the Jamel Hill Sports Center show. I mean, isn't that yeah, well, yeah, well, They all. I I don't care again about the color of your skin. I care about ideology. They all are. There's zero what? diversity. Zero well, diversity. I think probably has its lowest Zero. ratings in forty years, Jerry, because it's a sports network where there's been Don't no sports for four it. months. I mean, about- I mean, you can't ignore. <laughs> I mean, that's why they. <laughs> I mean, that's probably why we're talking about ideology. People are sick of listening to these woke limo liberals like well, Max Kellerman, well, or they watch ESPN for you know games, and there are no games right they now. They got rid so. of. They got rid of their only sort of conservative will Kane, my friend will oh Kane. My God. yeah he was he, he was drawing in the viewers no one even knows who he is friends. now they have nobody who's not you know to the left of you on that network i can't believe you haven't got a, a at least a shot at least a tryout there you'd fit right in 
Too many um, ESPN bashing media what's, columns for what's the new radio show again? Um, Cullinane. I don't even know the one guy. There's one, uh, this Keyshawn. We got Keyshawn, oh, Keyshawn, Jason Williams, two black guys. And what's the third guy? I've uh, never heard of that dude. I've never, I think he was on ESPN two for a, for a year or two or something. Um, yeah. no woman. I'm very uh, disappointed there again. Key, they, I thought maybe you know Julie DeCarroll, Carol, whatever her name is, would be involved, but no women. I don't know if there are any gay guys, but ESPN's into identity politics and so they're gonna have an all all woke morning radio show it'll be worse than golik and wingo if that's it would be worse than who's before wingo greenberg greenie and wingo greenie and whatever it'll be worse it'll be worse is greenie off the radio right now i think he, i think i saw he's coming that, back he's, he's coming, coming back right on yeah. his, by himself right yeah the, the oh, story out of the new york post yesterday had this new morning show woke morning show with Keyshawn and jason williams and it has Greeny going back to radio like an hour a day. And it has Kellerman getting a radio show oh, because, God. you know, if you watch, you know, first take, you don't get enough of that a-hole. So they're going to have him on every day on the radio. Is Keyshawn is- Johnson supposed to be some like social justice guy? I thought he was, he, he was, I don't, I don't remember him being very outspoken about issues as a player. I don't know. Really. It's a good question. Is he? Jason Williams is smart. I'll give him that. Yeah. He's smart as hell. But, uh, and, and, um, I don't know. I don't know about Keyshawn and the other well, guys. Keyshawn, like, Keyshawn's do. I think he's doing Morning Drive in some other market. LA, you know, right. he's in LA. Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't even understand why they made the move. I mean, wasn't Golik and Wingo just what they want? Kind of boring, predictable, sporty. I mean, what's what's why are they changing? Just because they need minorities? Because they need to be woker? More woke is the is the correct oh, phraseology. More woke. More. Yes. Well, we agreed on some things today, Reem. We agreed on the stupid. Uh, confederate flag i don't care about it get rid of it about time it's one of the dumber things trump has said it's not as dumb you weren't here last week i loved your rant where is roger ailes we miss you we uh, we named that the dumbest trump tweet ever when he said don't we all or no we all miss roger miss roger ailes and i said that's true but i i kind of miss i miss cause more i don't know about you i kind of miss cause and i miss yeah I miss Harvey Weinstein. You know, good, good, good guy. He went away. I miss Jeff Epstein. <laughs> I miss Jeffrey Epstein. We need, we need to be we need to be nice to the president this this week, no matter what he tweets or says, because he will be in New Hampshire on Saturday. That's right. And the request is out there for him to join the podcast. Which you would, should get Howie to help you with that. Which would send. I don't need Howie to help me with that. Okay. If he's available, he know. yeah, he knows. Don't worry about this. He knows. He saw me at the White House. He thanked me for my support. He knows I'm behind him. I, when I tweeted about Trump yesterday in the stupid Confederate flag, I get all these people going, "Yeah, but you're still going to vote for him." And my response, I actually responded to a couple of them. I said, of course, I'm going to vote for him. Do you know what the choice is? The choice is Joe Biden, a man in the throes of dementia, a man who will be controlled by AOC and Bernie Sanders. That's your choice. That guy or Donald Trump. Donald Trump could absolutely shoot a guy on Fifth Avenue on live TV and I'd still vote for him. I admit it. I'm not afraid to admit it. Just like Reamer would vote for Whoever the alternative is, you know, what if they camp- paint Black Lives Matter on Fifth Avenue while Trump is shooting? I, I love when uh, did you see they paint? It was in D.C. or was it D.C. when someone defaced Black Lives Matter and they're like going to arrest them. So the Black Lives Matter paints on a public street something someone else paints on it. I would call that civil disobedience. I would call that peaceful protesting, but they get arrested and somebody else changed defund the police to defend the police, which was brilliant. I like it. I think the most, 
I mean, what's interesting too is we didn't get to this. I know we're running out of time, but at Amy Cooper, she was charged yesterday with filing a false police report. And I think is interesting <laughs> is Christian Cooper, the bird watcher, actually has publicly been very right. ambivalent about the backlash against Amy Cooper, which I think is a is a very admirable stance to take saying that, you know, ruining this woman's life will not cure racism or this problem. So I think that's, it's so interesting they're, they're, how he's reacting. The police, people, the criminals are running wild in New York. We see the video. Yesterday, a guy got shot while walking his 60-year-old daughter. I don't know if you've seen the video. Got the car pulled up and shot and killed the guy. His daughter ran down the street. Every day we're seeing riots and, you know, bottles and ricks and shootings. And the police are going to go to this woman's house and arrest her because... She said this crazy rant at a guy who was threatening to, you know. Uh, well, he wasn't threatening at all. Her dog. I mean, he was, well, he was I mean, trying he was, to get her dog. He was trying to get her dog. Someone does that to me, tries to steal my dog. I'm, I'm going after him, too. But, you're going to call the police and say a black man is trying to attack me. To steal my dog. <laughs> I no, I won't. But she lost her job. She lost all. She did. She lost her life. She lost her apartment. Even her attorney said, That's I mean, true. so I don't think she needs to go to jail. I think the jails are, uh, you know, I think the cops should be busy trying to stop all the you know, violent crime, all the shootings and killings, which are off the charts. New York was like a safe, sane place two months ago. You know, it's amazing when you stop and think about how much has changed since Derek Chauvin left his knee on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes. How much the world has changed because of that. It's just nuts. But, you know, it gives us gives us plenty to talk about, Reamer. You can, uh, if you haven't had enough Reamer, you can follow him on Twitter or read him at Forbes.com. I just read your, uh, it hurts me to say I agreed with it because you were ripping on uh, my man DJT. I but was. You, you wrote about his stupid tweets about, about Bubba Wallace. See, I think Bubba Wallace was full of it. I think he he was a drama queen. He used the opportunity to raise his profile. But what good does it do to uh, revisit that? I mean, because Trump, because he he's been told that the culture wars are going to help him win re-election, so he's just digging. Right. It's but it comes across as sad and desperate. And again, late. This is two weeks after this was a story. But doesn't everybody around him? Doesn't Ivanka and Donald Jr. and Mark Meadows? Don't they all know? that the Confederate flag is a foolish issue, not a winning issue. We saw at the press conference with my girl, Kaylee McEnany, who is spectacular at her mm-hmm. job. Every question was about the Confederate flag. And she got frustrated and said, is anyone asking me anything about all the violence in the streets in these Democrat-controlled cities? They weren't because Trump gave them this thing, served it on a silver platter, defended the Confederate flag. So all the questions are about the freaking Confederate flag. There's nobody around him. Nobody's advising him when he's tweeting. He's whatever. He's back in the bathroom. He's whatever in bed. I don't know where he is. But if anyone around him knew that he was going to tweet a defense of the Confederate flag, don't you think somebody would have stopped him? Or, I, or the Roger Ailes defense. I mean, it goes on and on. I'm waiting for him to defend Ghislaine Maxwell any moment now. <laughs> She's a very nice woman, never did anything wrong to me. I mean, you know, so. That's that's going to be interesting. That's, uh, think- that's Alan Dershowitz's job, right? Oh, and yeah. That's, and that's and that's keeping him off the nude beaches, which is a good thing for everybody. So. Did you see that wrong. story? I tweeted it yesterday. New York Post has a story that nobody has seen Alan Dershowitz on, the, on his favorite nude beach. Ah, what a shame. <laughs> I don't know if there's other nude beaches. I know there's a nude beach he goes to. Can you picture Alan Dershowitz? See, I picture him with his shirt on, but no pants, which yeah. is even worse. Just hanging loose and all wrinkly and bum. Oh, I mean, so somebody's out there looking for him, you know, trying to find 
nude Alan Dershowitz and they haven't been able to because I guess they want to get his reaction to Gislaine. Is that how you say her name, by the way? Gislaine? It's definitely not Gislaine. What is it? <laughs> I, just I, figured, I, I just figured it was Jelaine. <laughs> I, I, no I, I, I was Ghislaine, I thought. Oh, I don't know. Ghislaine sounds right. Ghislaine. I have no idea. Whatever. That brought, she's, you know, she's in custody. I'm, you know, cynical by nature, but they can't let her get killed, can they? I mean, she's not going to die, is she? You have to think not, but I don't know. I mean, if she's really going to talk, I mean, there are, like with Jeffrey Epstein, from Prince Andrew to the Clintons to even Trump, I mean, there are so many powerful people. I mean, the biggest one is, not to go down the whole Epstein rabbit hole, but Les Wexner is the one that we all need to find out what happened. He gave Jeffrey Epstein power of attorney over his entire fortune. That's how Jeffrey Epstein got his money. Why? Why, why, why? We I'm want sorry. Les Wexner, yeah, Jerry. Reamer, the biggest one is still Bill Clinton. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, you just take a few plane trips, doesn't um, you? Know. Uh, 26 trips on the uh, Lolita Express to Pedophile Island for Bill Clinton, where he yeah. ordered the Secret Service not to come with him. So I think there's she got so much to tell. And Cullen is just praying that she uh, uh, starts with Alan Dershowitz, who, again, I'll just, you know, I'm not going to pass judgment, who said he went to Epstein's mansion just to get a massage. With now, his wife. With, with his, his wife. wife, yes. And yeah. and we know there were pictures of naked, you know, 14, 15 year old girls on the wall. And that didn't deter him. He still went, you know, Didn't his back was his grandkids were there too. Didn't he say his grandkids came with him once? Not, he did not say that. Did he? I'll, I'll look, but, All right, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I, I hope as my girl Ann Coulter has been writing, just get her on record now before they get a chance to kill her. Sit down. Get her whole story, make any deal. I wouldn't care if she walked out of prison without a, a, a day. You know, maybe she can pay a huge fine or pay reparations to all the victims. But I would trade her for Clinton, Dershowitz, you know, you name it. Um, uh, Ken Starr. Prince Andrew is like the Prince Andrew. I mean, God. Um, and, and get the whole story soon, quick. Don't wait because, you know, let's be honest. Hillary is... Uh, Hard at work right now trying to see if there's a way they can uh, eliminate Gislaine or Gislaine or whatever the hell her name is. But I think uh, we'll be talking about her and that story for a long time to come. I look forward to it, by the way. I look forward to it. It makes powerful people really uncomfortable. So oh, it's, it, it's, it's like the real life Illuminati. I mean, it really is. It's, it's unbelievable. What did she get out of it, though? Just being his pimp. She was a billionaire, or her father was. She was rich. She didn't need the money. Was it some kind of thrill? Some kind of... Well, uh, her father, Robert Maxwell, as you know, had that... He died in 91, falling mysteriously off the deck of his boat, which was called the Lady Ghislaine. And he actually, when he died, he was he was basically uncovered as this con man who was swindling people, swindling his business. She had to move to New York to start a new life. So actually, I don't think she had a lot of money. Well, maybe, well, maybe, she, maybe she just needed the money and she right. didn't have any moral, any conscience at all. So she served up, you know, young girls to him. But she, well, she was the socialite who connected Jeffrey Epstein to the powerful people. And he was the one with the money. That was like their team. And who's this who's this dude that she's uh, seeing now who clearly has plenty of information himself, right? Who she was living with in New Hampshire. So he's- uh, no, the New Hampshire house was hers. She was living with a, I think, like a hedge fund guy, or uh, uh, in Manchester by the sea. I thought that was like her. Bo- isn't that her boyfriend? Yeah, yeah I, or, they- got, I mean, clearly he knows the story of everything. He's got to have a lot of information as well. I, would- I think she could. She could just hopefully right now. She's sitting down, you know, with a 
with a, you know, detective or whatever, authorities and telling her whole story because that will be wild. I mean, there's already like you know, a dozen books out about Epstein. The next one's going to be the best one because they're going to name names. And maybe there's names we don't even know about. Wouldn't that be wild? Um, all I know is Trump's in the clear. He kicked them out of Mar-a-Lago. I don't think Trump's involved at all. My man, mm-hmm. my man Donald J. Trump would not get involved in something so tawdry. No, he wouldn't. He yes. kicked them out when he found out he was into young girls. That's it. That, that, was, it. that was it for him. <laughs> All right, Reamer. Good to see you, bud. Uh, Glad you you had a good time in P-Town. I did. Um, You can read Reamer at Forbes.com or uh, out. Out sports. Out sports.com. You You can follow him on Twitter. You know, maybe you hate him, but uh, he's still fun to follow and fun to read. And maybe he'll leave. Do you respond to some of the hate you get when you come on here with me? A little bit. Yeah. I think it's all fun and games, though. Yes. I don't care. I don't care what anyone says. It's good to have you. You kind of represent... You know, the insurrection you represent. I am. Yeah, I'm the leader of the revolutionary movement. Burning churches and ripping down Frederick Douglass statues. Those are your people. But I talk to you soon, Reamer. Thanks to uh, Shea Concrete and Allied Paving and DCU and Birch Gold. And thanks to uh, thanks to Cullinane. Um, Did you enjoy your day off yesterday, Cullinane? Yeah, I didn't do any drinking. I was away from the kids, so that was good. That was a good old relaxation day. Nothing crazy. No, I was uh, in the office doing some busy work, making some deals for us here. So you know, I know we'll, we'll get to that. But uh, Cullinane is changing the logo, by the way. Changing Cullin- the logo for the show. Cullen is wheeling. is wheeling and dealing. I'm impressed. I mean, just another day uh, in the life of Dave Cullen. It's it not a Fourth of July weekend, and I'm getting texts saying I'm talking to this guy and that guy. We don't have I, any. We don't have any announcements to make. You're not ready to make any announcements. Well, we're oh, not. No, they'll be. They'll be coming soon, and we got to figure out when we're going to push out the new logo. By the way, that you approved. Yeah, we is working on a new logo with, uh, you know, our expensive graphics, our, 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 our graphics team. <laughs> They're hard at work on a new logo. Our clip art logo that I'll release, yes. Uh, you know, for certain people that are looking to uh, looking to pick up the show or get involved in the show or team up with us, they're working on a new logo. We'll, uh, we'll let you know when that happens, and we'll let you know when Dave closes the deals. He's got all kinds of irons in the fire, but uh, we'll see if he can close them out. Not everyone can do that. Lots of good, lots of people can talk a good game, Colony. We'll see if you can actually close the deal, but... Uh, we'll keep you updated on that. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan Podcast, and we will talk to you again tomorrow morning. Why am I stopping? You, no one else stops. I don't. I, can I go home? The Jerry Callahan Podcast. Before you drive the all-new Nissan Rogue, you got to ask yourself, how rogue are you going to go? We talking be one with nature in the desert rogue? Go snowshoeing in Alaska rogue? Or take the long way home just because kind of rogue? Just a question. But with five available drive modes, you're sure to find the answer. Go rogue in the all-new, fiercely reimagined 2021 Nissan Rogue. Now with the most standard safety features in its class. See owner's manual for important safety information. Auto Pacific segmentation. 2021 Nissan Rogue versus latest in market competitors. Base models compared. From 30 for 30 podcast and the undefeated, the life and legacy of South L.A. rapper Nipsey Hussle. I'm Justin Tinsley, senior reporter for the undefeated. In this four episode series, I explore the shared experiences of life as a black man in America with Nipsey's brotherhood of NBA players. Life is a marathon. You got to keep it going. Hustle and motivate. If that ain't like the ethos of being an elite athlete, I don't know what is. This is the King of Crenshaw. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. New hot and iced Sunrise Batch Coffee from Dunkin'. 
a bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or re-hung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.